Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's Word is truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and today we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Yep, just those two verses. But I believe within those two verses, there's just so much in there that we must uh, understand and see so that we may understand Christ better. You know, after all, we are Christians, we're followers of Christ, so we must get Christ correct. We must understand who he is and what he has come to do. Uh, So yeah, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Let's read verses 16. I'm going to read 16 all the way through verse 19. And then we're going to look at 16 and 17 a little bit more deeply. So it says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Uh, These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Um, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism or worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up with without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. So what Paul is getting at there with the Colossians, he's just talking about, don't let anyone tell you this or that about food or drink, what to eat or what not to drink, what is in accordance uh, with God and what he says it's okay to eat, what he says it's not okay to eat. Because what does he say later in verse 17? It says, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Um, Let me just read that same passage uh, in a different translation to better help understand um, what is being said there, right? Because the ESV, that's what I read from. The ESV is more word for word. And the NLT is more of a phrase for phrase. It gets the the context and it just uh, helps understand what is being said. So it says in verse 16 in the NLT, So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holidays, or new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. Uh, For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. You see, so there's the, the greater context or the better understanding of what is being said. Um, I just like the ESV because it is word for word. So we actually get closer to its original words that is, uh, that were used, um, in the Greek. But yeah, let's go back to verse 16. It says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, right? So with food and drink, 
Paul gives a little understanding on what he is talking about there. If you go to Romans chapter 14, uh, verses 13 through 17 helps us understand about that. Because there are some brothers or sisters who, uh, out of conscience, stay away from certain foods. Uh, not because it is something required for their faith, but let's, let's just read what it says. It says Romans 14 verses 13 through 17. It says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Right? Notice here we're speaking of brother or believer, you could say. It says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. It says, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there it is. Paul ultimately concludes that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. It doesn't matter uh, what you eat or what you do not eat, right? Do not condemn a brother if they want to be a vegan, right? Or a uh, vegetarian, right? One who abstains from eating meats. Well, that's fine. Um, you're not condemned for that. Because as it says in verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. But what? It says, but of righteousness and peace and joy. How? In the Holy Spirit. And then if we go back to Colossians chapter 2 verse 16, right? So there's that food and drink. What else does it say? Or with regard to a festival. All right. So where do we get that from? Well, there's festivals to be held as holy as worship for God. So in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 1 and 2, uh, Moses is speaking, or uh, the Lord speaks to Moses, and this is what it says. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. So these are special feasts that the Lord appointed the people to hold for the purpose of worship to God, right? So this is a command by God, and it says, you are to tell them, this is what you're to say, these are appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. So there's a bit of that understanding of feasts for the Lord, right? And then it talks about new moon. Now, what is that? When we think of new moon, uh, it happens once per month, right? So there's a new moon every month. But the idea here is speaking of a new month, right? So if we go to Numbers chapter 28, look at what it says in verses 11 through 15. It says, at the beginnings of your months, you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord two bulls from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs, a year a year old without blemish. Also, three-tenths of an ephah 
of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil for each bowl and two tenths of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil for the one ram and a tenth of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for every lamb for a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma a food offering to the Lord their drink offerings shall be half a hen of wine and bowl a third of a hen for a ram and a quarter of a hen for a lamb this is the burnt offering of each month throughout the months of the year also one male goat for a sin offering to the Lord it shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering right so so now we get this other offerings that is done every month and this is in specific to the new moon right and that's what is uh being said there when paul is saying uh do not let anyone pass judgment on you on whatever you eat or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a sabbath right so what is the sabbath now well if you stay on numbers 28 look at verses 9 and 10 it says on the sabbath day two male lambs a year old without blemish and two tenths of an ephah of flour for a grain offering mixed with oil and its drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. So again, on, even on a Sabbath, there are offerings being done. So we go back to Colossians now, chapter 2. So what what is Paul getting at? Well, all of these were Jewish observances, and there was those discouraging the brothers in the faith into passing judgment on them arguing that these things were necessary and essential for spiritual advancement uh, but that would undermine all that christ has done during his life on earth because what they are essentially saying is yeah it's good and all that you have faith in christ and repented of your sins but you must uh keep the sabbath uh, in order to, uh, you know, be saved. So they would add that to the gospel and say, this is part of the gospel, that you are to abstain from certain foods. Or uh, you are to regard this specific festival. Or you must give these burnt offerings and sin offerings um, on a new moon in the way that it is said or done. But what does Paul say? Paul says in verse 17, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So there it is. We see that these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Right? What does the NLT say? It says, For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. So the thing about those things that they were commanded to do or called to do, um, it was pointing to someone. It was pointing to Christ because he himself, it says, is that reality. The SV says, but the substance belongs to Christ. The reality of all these things is to point us to Jesus Christ. That's why we now, we can be in Christ through our repentance of sin and through our faith in him. We don't have to do these uh 
food and drink offerings or regard a festival um, in such a way that the Lord's favor would be on us or a new moon or a Sabbath in a sense that we are to do what is commanded uh, in the Old Testament. No, that is the Old Covenant. Uh, these are the, this is specific laws given to them, but all of that is to point us to someone. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So, shadow of things. What is that? Well, we understand that there are uh, there's the Mosaic Covenant, right? There's Well, there's many covenants. But Christians are no longer under the Mosaic Covenant. Right? So the Ten Commandments was given to the Jews. But we must understand the purpose of the law wasn't meant to be kept. And if you keep it, you will be saved. No. In Exodus, God says, I am the Lord who took you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he gives them the law. Because I've saved you, keep my commandments. Right? Same thing with us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, how do we love God? Well, when he first loved us. And through understanding that, we can begin to love God. And then we can begin to love neighbor. wouldn't say fulfilling the whole law, but I would say this is what God commands of us because he commands us to be holy for he is holy. And how is that done? Through our love for God and through our love for neighbor. Christians are now in a new covenant. And this new covenant is called the covenant of grace. You see, there's these two covenants from... One began with our father, Adam, Adam and Eve. They were given the covenant of works. So what is that? What is the covenant of works? Well, covenant of works is the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve in their purity before the fall, where God promises them blessedness contingent upon their obedience to his command. And what was his command? God only God gave them a law to keep even before the fall. And what was that law? It was just one law. Do not eat of that fruit because the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So the Lord has blessed them with the tree of life and they can eat from it. Thus allowing them to live forever. But they fell. Adam and Eve fell, thus breaking this covenant of works. But even within that, what happens? Adam and Eve, they are hiding from God because they heard him. And what does God say? Where are you? It wasn't as if he didn't know where they were. Um, it was more of a rhetorical question, really, because God knows exactly where they are. And then they saw that they were naked, they covered themselves with leaves. And then God says, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of that tree? So now we're getting at this conviction. And then they are playing now the blame game. Adam says, well, the woman you gave me, she made me eat it. 
And then what does the woman do? Well, the serpent, he told me to eat it. And then that's when uh, the cursings happen. But not only that, what happens after? The Lord covers them with skin, it says. Now, where do you get skin from? Well, we get skin from either other humans or animals, right? So God instituted the first sacrifice, and that was a picture of what Christ would do with us. He would cover us as God covered Adam and Eve with the skin of an innocent animal. And now we are covered by the Christ who had no sin within him, yet he took upon himself the sin of his people. And now his righteousness is imputed to us as our uh, sinfulness or our sin was imputed to him. Thereby, God the Father unleashing his wrath on Christ and Christ um, absorbing that wrath. He took upon himself that wrath that was supposed to fall on us. That's the substitutionary atonement of Christ. Christ atones for our sins. So, that would be the covenant of grace, right? This ongoing promise of redemption. The covenant of grace points to God's promise to save us even when we fail to keep the obligations imposed in creation. So, what is that to say? That is to say, even though we are still commanded uh, to be holy, we are still commanded, do not murder, do not steal, do not lie, do not bear false witness, right? Um, honor your father and your mother. Do not covet and... What are the others, right? Keeping the Sabbath holy, right? We see that we are not to make graven images of God. We are told that there's no other God besides him. He is the only God. And understanding all of that, we understand, yeah, the rightful thing for me to do is keep the law. But... Even within that, we fail to keep the law, which points to us back to the covenant of grace and what Christ has done on the cross, right? How are we saved? Well, by our faith. Where do we put our faith in? Well, we put it in Christ. Like it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, right? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have peace with God through our, by our faith. And by this faith, we are justified before God. We are made righteous. Not that we are righteous within ourselves, but God's righteousness was imputed to us. As uh, Martin Luther says, it's an alien righteousness. And this righteousness was given to us freely, we did not earn it. We don't earn anything that comes from God. Anything good that is given to us comes from God, right? James says it's from the Father of lights. Any good thing comes from the Father of lights. And this is truly a good thing. This covenant that God has made between himself and man that he will redeem his people, even though 
his people are unfaithful. And this is what makes it so beautiful uh, about what God has done for us or did for us, right? Because scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we fail to keep the obligations imposed in creation, God still saves us. There's nothing within us that caused God to want to save us. He did it out of his own free will. Because the only free will that there is, is the one that comes from God. Our will is bound by sin. Thereby, we must not trust our own hearts. Do not follow your heart. Uh, instead, follow God. Seek Christ. And this covenant of grace is realized and seen in the work of Jesus through his passive obedience, right? That's on the cross. What he did for us on the cross, he took upon himself our sin and um, appeased the wrath of God on himself and his active obedience. That is his earthly ministry, right? During his time on earth, what did he do? Well, he came to what? Fulfill the law, right? So Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, what does Jesus say? Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments... And teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus saying? Well, Jesus is ultimately saying, yeah, the, these scribes and Pharisees, day in and day out, they pray they do their sacrifices. They do all these things. And yet, until your righteousness exceed that of theirs, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that make us do? That should bring us to this understanding that we are unable. Because of our sin, we are unable. We can't. There's no way. Unless we hear the word of Christ and what he said earlier. Do not think that I have come, it, come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but what? But to fulfill them. That should bring encouragement because we, as sinful creatures, right, still in the flesh, we are unable to fulfill the law because we, from conception, we are sinners. The psalmist, he says, in sin did my mother conceive me. So because of that, we are born sinners. And also because of that, then we fail to fulfill the law. So when it comes to Christ, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And that is where we praise God for. And that is where we truly honor and worship the Lord in all his majesty because of what he has done for us. This should bring joy to us that God made a new covenant with us, that his law will be written in our hearts, where we understand um, what it is to steal. We understand um, what it is to lie, and we know by conscience that that is wrong. 
Why is that? The law of God is written in our hearts, right? Even the atheist, the one who says God does not exist, how do you show that they are made in the image of God? Steal his wallet. That's what R.C. Sproul says. You may say that you have no absolute truths, but is it true that if I steal your wallet, will you get mad? Yeah. Why are you getting mad? They're going to say, well, it's my wallet. But in their worldview, by what standard? Because it's either God's standard or no standard at all. And God's standard is, he says it's wrong to steal, thereby it's wrong to steal, right? It's, it's not hard. Um, God says so. Because of his character, because of who he is. So, this is where we must put our faith in Christ, in Christ alone, and trust that there is no work that we must do in order to stay on God's good side. Because all those things that were given to them of old no longer, um, it says, these are a shadow of the things to come. They no longer are something that we must hold fast to in order to be on God's good side. Instead, they were to point to us, to Christ. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to God, right? In the NLT, for these are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. You see? Christ is that reality. Seek Christ. Trust in Christ. Believe what God is saying here. And understand that Christ himself is the one who fulfilled the law that we were unable to fulfill and keep. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero. <laughs>